Welcome to The Mosh Zone, episode 62, week 62, volume 62, number fucking 62. How you going guys? How's your week been? Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest is Anthony from After the Burial and that will be coming up later in the show. So what we've been doing at the start of the show is usually questions and feedback This week was pretty quiet, not a lot going on. We didn't hear back from many people. No questions, no feedback. We did get a lot of shares of our show from last week, which was Dan from King9. Thank you to anyone that shared that episode. Thank you to everyone that tuned in. Guys, if you haven't heard that episode yet, it's episode 61. It's the one before this one. Make sure you check that out at the end of this episode. Another thing we did last week and we told you about is we've now launched the Mosh Zone community. This is a place where everyone can come, they can give their feedback and their questions for the show. People can post about things they're excited about in the metal community. It's just a place where we can all hang out and grow the Mosh Zone community. You'll find it on our Facebook page. It's in there. There's groups, that little tab, you'll see it there. Join it. Invite your friends. Let's grow this Mosh Zone community. So not a lot else to really process or go through at the start of the show this week, unfortunately. So let's get on to the part of the show that I know you're all excited and tuned in for. This week's guest is Anthony from After the Burial. And to say I'm a diehard fan of this band is a massive, massive understatement. Been following these guys since I can remember and to finally get Anthony on the show is a massive moment for me as a fan but also for the show. First thing I've got to say is thank you so much Anthony for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. It's a really good, exciting, intriguing chat. We get to find out about the man himself, we find out about early bands, we find out about all the stuff with After the Burial over the years. We also get to discuss the upcoming album, Evergreen. That chat with Anthony is coming up now. Um, so I always kind of start off with uh, kind of a question that is, do you remember an artist or a band that kind of helped you discover music? Now, it doesn't have to be a heavy band because I don't think anyone really starts out listening to like Slayer straight out of the gates. But do you remember? <laughs> do you remember a band that... You were hearing around the house or in the car, and you're like, "I really like this." Oh yeah, man! It was it was Nirvana when I was Ooh. younger, dude. I had like, I had hair like to my shoulders, and it was bleached blonde. Like all like all the kids, all my friends, we wanted to be Kurt Cobain, like minus the the dying part. But you know, <laughs> like we we all looked up to that guy, you know, and like so. Um, yeah, it was Nirvana, and that's what made me want to want to start playing music. Was was I just would like fantasize about being up there and being on stage and doing what he does. And uh, how old and were the you? The rest is history. Man. How old were you when you kind of? I think I was twelve. Wow. Okay. And yeah, so I remember I first started playing when I was thirteen. Ooh, you started early. I mean, what what about Nirvana drew you in? Was it the kind of the out of the out of the box mentality was it the alternative outsider feeling what what about nirvana drew you in yeah i think it was like their like outs that like you know their 
you know, they were, they were different at the time. And like, you know, grunge was just like newer thing. And, and it was like, it was cool, man. And I was like, I never heard anything like it. It's like all my sisters, like, listen, like they listen to like rap and stuff. And like Michael, ja- I loved Michael Jackson too. when I was younger, but um, that's what like stuff I would just listen to whatever my mom and my sisters were listening to. Cause I didn't know any better. And then I kind of discovered this band and I was like, Oh, I, I think I have my own thing here. And I started listening to, to rock and, and, and grunge and all that. Yeah, I'll hit you up tomorrow. Um, so I started uh, listening to, the, to that kind of music and just like, I think the first song I ever learned on on the guitar was was Creep by Radiohead. Ooh, what a song. And uh, Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I didn't, uh, even when I first started playing, I, I played bass. Ooh. When I first like started to learn an instrument, I was terrible. I didn't even understand the concept of it. So, um, so I'm not good now either, but I can play. So Kurt Cobain was one of the reasons you started picking up an instrument, but how was the family's reaction to wanting to be an artist with an instrument? Were they very accepting and you know motivated you to keep going, or was there a bit of trepidation and uncertainty around, oh, no, now my son wants an amp and he's going to have all this noise going on? Well, you know, my dad was a musician or is a musician too. He um he sings. He was a singer in a band in high school, yeah. and like he used to like do doo wop when he was younger. And like you know, he's from New Jersey, he's so like he came from from you know the East Coast, and so he was very supportive about it. I remember he uh, um one of his friends like collected guitars, and he helped me get my first guitar, and. Uh, and he like my my dad was very supportive about it. It was kind of like you know I was I grew up playing sports too, and my dad would always come to my games and like, you know he would pitch to me when I played baseball and like he, he we'd always play ball together. And then I got really into playing soccer, and um and he like I remember the first time I ever got a nice pair of uh of boots was he like we I started playing. Comp- soccer you know i started playing um where you had to try out and i had to, i was on a traveling team and i we played it was called there was advanced house and select and i played advanced house and select as i got better cool. and uh and i remember my dad bought me a, like this was back in like the 90s dude and i remember my dad bought me a pair of nike uh they were like nike zoom and they were kangaroo leather and they were a hundred dollars which was like we grew up poor so a hundred dollars on a pair of boots was like crazy and uh <laughs> I remember he got me that and I was like, he, you know, he's, so my dad's always supported me and he's always, you know, helped me find like amps and stuff when I was younger and, and spotted me money and, he, you know, he's a good dad. Where on the, uh, where on the pitch did you used to play? Were you a defender, midfielder or attacker? I was a striker. Um, we oui. originally like, uh, yeah, I played forward. I, I was just a striker and, uh, man, I, I, I kind of wish I would have stayed with it because i was re- I, w- I was really good at the time and i think if i would have stayed with it i would have stayed really good but what changed everything is i started playing music and my dream from being a soccer player uh changed completely and i wanted to be a musician and then as i got older i was kind of a little shithead kid and i started like smoking weed and drinking and doing acid and then like then i really got into music and like the sports went to the wayside and and um yeah, so I, uh, that's kind of what changed everything for me. Yeah, and at least, I, mean, I think that's kind of a pattern a lot of people have tent with 
when it comes to music and sports. Unfortunately, sports falls to the wayside. But at least you support the greatest team out of London. Um, a man after my own heart, a Tottenham fan. Oh, man, nice, dude. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, Dude, you know, I used to watch. I haven't been able to watch recently because um, we cut our cable. We, we don't have cable anymore because I've never watched it. But one of the good things I did like about it is I was able to watch all the Tottenham games. And uh, now they, like, make you pay to watch the Ooh. Premier League. Ooh. And it's, like, and it's like a whole separate thing, and it's kind of annoying. And, and so it's like, you know, and I'm, plus I'm gone all the time. It's like, okay, well, if I'm going to be gone for three months, I'm only going to be able to watch, like, ten games. Yeah, it's – but, I okay. mean, as, as you know, as a Tottenham fan, whenever you get excited about how the season's going, we – we have a downturn in luck, and then we suddenly go shit house for a couple of months, which is currently what we've been going through. So, well, dude, yeah, that's very true. And I'm so I'm so I'm a big uh, hockey fan. I uh, I love the San Jose Sharks. That's where I'm from. I'm from the Bay Area in California, and I'm also an Oakland Raiders fan. You know, American ah. football and. Um, I'm just used to being let down, dude. So it doesn't even phase me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're used to never quite winning anything. You know, happy to win a game here or there, but that's about it. No. Nope. <laughs> yeah, especially as a Raiders fan, it's like, man, we haven't been good in forever. We had a, a glimmer of hope like two seasons ago, and it's like, and now it's just like, oh no. And, and a Sharks, being a Sharks fan, we're good every year. We make it to the playoffs every year, and we fail in the playoffs every year <laughs> always so. always the bridesmaid never the bride i think's the phrase so <laughs> yeah exactly um so in high school for you you know you've got sport going on and music's starting to become a bit of a thing um how was school for you were since you played sport were you kind of in with all the crowds or were you a little bit of a outsider was was music part of your identity during school what was school years like yeah it was it was music music was a big part of my identity like and they knew me um because i was you know good and i was um i was um you know we all played together but even then like i was still like the i was like this bad kid who played on the soccer team with all the good kids and like the parents knew I was bad because I was, you know, I was doing bad stuff. Back. My daughter's out here; she's eleven. Um, <laughs> I was doing like drugs back then, and uh, and so like, you know, nothing like hardcore. But I was like, you know, smoking weed and drinking. Like I started at a really young age, um, but I would still go out there and get on the pitch and, and kill it. But so like by the time high school came around, like I was known for. Uh, for the kids knew who I was and the parents kind of knew who I was. And I just, music took over everything, dude. So like high school, everybody knew me as Anthony, the guy who's in the band. And, and, uh, you know, that's, that's a lot of my friends were all musicians too. So was it during high school that you kind of decided and made your mind up that you wanted music as a career or was it that something that came after you were at school? Yeah, no, I think in middle school, I think when I was in like the seventh, eighth grade, probably the eighth grade, like I was like, okay, this is, this is where everything's changing. I want to be a musician. And then in high school, I wanted it really, really bad. And then, uh, I just kept chasing after it for as long as I can remember. We were, um, 
we were a local band that like you know we would draw two three hundred kids at our shows and and uh which is like really good for a local band especially where we were from and we would play with all the big bands when we uh when we came into town or when they came into town you know we'd play with like hopes fall and haste the day and and um and uh god forbid and between the or not between the very just a bunch of other bands and um so we were like the the promoters band that they would go to to like mm. draw kids in to shows and what was what was that like for you with you know if a kid is in middle school high school and says they want to do music um i think there's a lot of people that go oh no seriously you need to look at something else you know this is not what you want to do but were you getting a lot of pushback for making this decision and this drive for music it sounds like your family would have been supportive i'm assuming but was there any pushback saying oh anthony i don't think this is what you want to do you should get a blue collar job well i think yeah i think my my family was supportive but they were also you know kind of you know my dad would be like you know like he'd always be supportive like yeah that's great do that and i remember he bought us a van and um for our first tour that we booked ourselves and um you know he helped helped uh he bailed us that we broke, broke down on the road and he bailed us out you know while we were on the road um not out of jail but like we our transmission broke you know mm-hmm. and uh and he helped us get back on the road with some money so my dad was supportive in that way but you know, there was kids that were very supportive too, like our friends. But then, you know, the consensus around the high school was that we were, um, we were kind of the outcasts, and mm. they didn't. You know, I remember being called white trash when I was younger, and like sitting parents telling me I was never going to amount to anything, and and that I was a druggy addict, and you know, That's and now of... their kids are the ones who have uh, these drug problems. I'm, yeah. I'm sitting here sober and. It's got to spark Doing a bit of well. fire under you, though, as well. I mean, if someone's saying, oh, you're, you're worthless and you're not going to amount to much, that's got to spark the fire of determination in your belly, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely puts a chip on your shoulder. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, well, I'll show you. And it's kind of what made me have that drive for so long. And, and uh, you know, I was always passionate about about music and what we wrote and what we put into our songs. So, you know, it's just, I yeah, I guess... In a, in a sense, I kind of kind of thankful that they were like that and that my life was like that at the time. You know, it cre- created who I was. It shaped me. Yeah, I mean, hindsight, yeah, if everything was perfect, maybe you wouldn't have gone on to do what you're doing. Um, you're mentioning early bands there. So, you know, what was the band called and were you still playing instruments at this stage or did you start to get behind the microphone at this stage? Yeah, so when I was in middle school, we were in a band called, um, we were called Out of Reach, and we were like a punk band. We were just like, you know, like skate punk, like, you know, like no effects and um, no use for a name. Like we loved Strung Out, and like those were like a band, all the Fat Records band we looked up to a lot. Mm. And then uh, and then all of a sudden, like as we got a little older, like I think our, our one of my best friends, um, he brought over a record and it said Bane on it. Ooh. And, uh, you know, he bought this, this CD and it said Bane. He's like, hey, you got to listen to this. And we started listening to Bane, Give Blood, that album when that came out. Dude, that's like, that like changed me. And then we started listening to like Insin and like more like hardcore punk. And then um, then we started getting into like metalcore and everything kind of changed. Our music started to change. And I figured out that I could kind of scream. 
and then the rest was history. We started going in that direction. So why why jump behind a microphone? Were you, you know, you were saying earlier with bass and stuff, you're never really that good at it. Was that part of the decision, or was it kind of one of those situations where it just happened by chance? Um, yeah. So we, um, I was playing guitar and singing when we were doing like this like punk thing. We were like a punk band, and then uh, we had a song where I like. I kind of like I tried to hit like a high note and I couldn't do it and it turned into a scream on accident and they were like whoa what was that do that again and then I started to do it and what happened was is I couldn't play the guitar and sing at the same time it just got too difficult and then our other guitar player Ryan he's one of he's my best friend he uh he started writing more, more difficult stuff and then we had another friend who's who's an, a best friend of mine still to this day um, Lex, he, um, he ended up joining the band and his guitar writing, I couldn't, just, I couldn't keep up with it and, and sing at the same time. So I was like, you guys play guitar, I'll sing. We'll get, uh, you know, Chris will play bass and Robbie's on drums and we're good to go. And that's, that's what we were. We were a five piece and we were called only in dreams. That was the name of our band for a long time. How, how was it vocally for you at the start? I mean, were you... Yeah, you, know, you said you kind of, kind of by accident started to scream. When you started to get going with that band and you're being a vocalist, were you learning technique or was it literally just put it all on the line and just scream your heart out and then if you blew your voice out, you blew your voice out? What was it like in the early stages with your vocals? Yeah, it was definitely a lot of blowing my voice out. I didn't know how to do it correctly yet. It was all brand new. Um, so... You know, it'd be like, you know, I would, we'd practice and my voice would hurt after this. And, uh, you know, we'd play shows and my voice would hurt because I didn't know how to, how to scream correctly. So it was just a lot of trial and error. And then finally I started to figure out some new, some new things. And I figured out that, oh, I can do this without hurting my voice. And even when I joined after the burial, I was still learning a ton. Like I remember I used to get winded on stage and I'd be like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing wrong or different. And now that doesn't happen to me anymore because I've just been doing it for so long. I fig- I've just figured it out, you know? Yeah, you've learned the technique as you've gone along, which I think is kind of what I think everyone did back then. I think it's a bit different now because everyone has access to YouTube and, you know, vocal coaches. But back then it would have been a lot different. Yeah, it was, there was no Melissa Cross back then. Or if she was, I don't think she was teaching that back then, you know? So it's like... Um, and I learned all my techniques on my own. I never watched any videos. I never, um, I never um, took any vocal lessons. The only thing I kind of picked up was from uh, into on the road, um, and just and it was just vocal warm up stuff, you know. Now, you mentioned in there when you joined after the burial, and um, some people may know or may not know you joined in two thousand and eight-ish, I think. Um, they, yeah. at the time, had a previous vocalist who they'd done, you guys had done Forging a Future Self and then Rare Form. Uh, later on, you re-recorded Rare Form. But how did the link-up come about with you joining after the burial? Yeah, so that's um, it's kind of a cool story. We um, <clears throat> So my, my band, Only in Dreams, we went on the road. We booked our own DYI tour because um, that's just how you did it back then you had to book your own tours 
and hopefully a label is paying attention be like okay these guys have done this tour this tour this tour they're drawing this much at home okay they're serious we like the way they sound let's sign them you know that's what we were hoping for so we were out there booking our own tour and we played this festival and I, i'm doing air quotes around that um <laughs> with a bunch of bands um at this i think it was in illinois somewhere i can't remember um exactly where and we played and i remember this band came up and started playing and we all were watching them and it was like there was maybe like 50 kids there and uh <clears throat> we were watching them play and it happened to be this small this, this guy with poofy curly hair and a giant bass player that was like incredibly tall and it, uh we ended up you know hanging out after the show and it was all the guys in after the burial it was lee from after the burial and nick uh their their, their original vocalist who I'm, I'm good friends with to this day um and we ended up just linking up and becoming good friends with them we all stayed the night at this kid's house and like partied together and it was a lot of fun and we stayed in contact and when they came into town where we lived we would do local shows for them and get them paid so they were able to make some money and they would i we still talk about it this, to this day trent's like dude that show you guys booked for us saved our asses because we were so poor and um you know we were able to book book some shows for them and draw some kids in and they made some money on merch and and uh and i didn't even know they had gotten a new vocalist so nick quit the band before they as they were getting signed because he's like hey i can't do this i can't commit to this i'm gonna get married and i don't you know it's not this isn't the life for me so they were like okay and they got a new singer and uh and I didn't even know at the time. And I remember hearing the new song. And I was like, oh, crazy. I didn't know they got a new singer. And, uh, and, and you know, a couple months went by. And Ryan, our, uh, my best friend, was, was good friends with Justin. I was good friends with Nick. And uh, Justin had called Ryan. And was like, hey, man, we're playing San Francisco tomorrow. Um, we were actually, I was actually in the studio recording a new EP, a new demo for our band. And Ryan was sitting next to me on this couch as I was writing lyrics. And uh, he's on the phone with Justin. And Justin's like, hey, we're coming into town. We're going to be playing San Francisco tomorrow. I just want to make sure you guys are good to go. We're going to put you on the guest list. And Ryan was like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, Anthony and I are definitely coming. And uh, and then I heard Ryan say, what do you mean he, you guys kicked him out? And he's like, what? You have no singer? And I was just like, oh, that's crazy. I wonder what's going on. And I'm still I'm focused on writing. And then Ryan was like, no, 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 dude. No, Anthony will sing for you guys tomorrow. And I was like, I look up and I was like, what? Who are you talking to? And uh, he, I'm like, who are you talking to right now? And he goes, shh, sh shut up. And he like shushes me. And he's like, no, no, no. Anthony's going to sing for you tomorrow, dude. We got, we'll get this. All right. And he like brokers the whole thing basically. <laughs> and he hangs up the phone. He's like, hey, do you want to sing for, you're going to sing for After the Barrel tomorrow. I was like, what? I don't know any songs, dude. And he's like, dude, you're going to be fine. We'll go over the songs. And sure enough i learned two songs and i play i open the set with after the barrel the next day and i was on stage and justin was cheesing ear to ear while we we played it was fingers like daggers the first song i played with them Ooh. and um yeah i was so nervous dude i was freaking out and uh and i guess i did a pretty good job because they came over to the house that night and we, they stayed the night and justin and i had a conversation he was like dude i really i was in emt school at the time so i was done with music i had totally written off music i was like i can't chase this dream anymore it's not working i was 20 i think 23 years old at the time or 24 and uh and justin was like really wish you were playing music still and uh and i was like yeah i know i was like just my you know my girlfriend at the time didn't want me touring and, and uh 
And I was like, dude, well, maybe, uh, maybe if I talked to her, maybe I can, they had a tour coming up within like three weeks and they were freaking out because they needed a singer. And I was like, what if I fill in for you guys for this next tour? And then you guys will give you more time to find a singer. And they're like, dude, would you really do that? I was like, yeah. And they're like, dude, that'd be great. So I came out, filled in on the tour. And I think like two weeks in the tour, they asked me to join. And I was like, they're like, as a real member. And I was like, dude, I don't, I don't, I don't think so, man. Like I'm in school and, um, and my, you know, my girlfriend at the time doesn't want me touring. And then, uh, we played the last show in San Diego and they asked me again. And, uh, as I got off the stage, my girlfriend at the time, ex-girlfriend now, obviously I'm married, but, um, she, uh, was sitting there crying on the side of the stage and I was like, what's wrong with you? And she's like, uh, she's like, you got to do this. She's like, this is what you're supposed to do. And I was like, oh, you're, you've been drinking. Let's, th- let's talk about it later. <laughs> and, uh, and then like a couple of days later, we talked about it again. She's like, you 100% need to do this. I can't hold back, you know, go, you, this is what you're supposed to do. And I called them. I was like, Hey, you guys still want me to be in the band? They're like, Absolutely. And I wow. did my first tour with them. Um, our first official tour was with them and born of Osiris. Fuck. That's, um, but, that's crazy. But my first tour as a film was suicide silence. Um, it was Suicide Sons, Amir, Beneath the Massacre, Us, and Architects was the first tour I ever did with After the Burial. Oh, so it was just a low-key tour by the sounds of things. Yeah, sounds like pretty low-key. <laughs> yeah. No no, yeah. no big bands on that one. Like, yeah. No. So Uh-oh. what was it like for you? You know, you were saying, obviously, the nerves, you know, kind of thrown in the deep end there of, oh, yep, yep, Anthony's going to do it, but... Well, after the burial at that time, was there much buzz going on? Because um, you look back now on that album, uh, Forging a Future Self, there's a ridiculous amount of money being offered to someone that sells one on eBay. It's quite crazy now that an album like that has got this kind of cult status. But at the time, was there that buzz going on? Because you were saying how they you know, were grateful for getting a show with you or your other band, but what was it like around the name of after the burial then well when we found them like when we ran into them um on the tour we had picked up their album and i was like holy shit this band is awesome i loved the band i thought nick's vocals were incredible um nick's still a really good friend of mine like he comes and visit him and his wife come and visit us down here in florida where i live now um all the time like they were just here a couple months ago and we hung out for a few days and he's a good friend of mine um really great guy but um i so i was like super impressed by the band and i remember this is super funny but i remember sitting there i was like playing video games on my computer at the time listening to them and thinking man if i could ever sing like what kind of bands could i sing for i was like i could do that band i remember thinking in my head like i could do them and you know because i was like you know just kind of daydreaming about being in a band and then uh and it ended up kind of happening so but as far as like what was the vibe around them, there was a definitely a vibe. Like there was definitely a buzz going on at the time. But when I did join the band, it was hard for us, man. Like we, we were, I think we were getting paid like $150 a show, you know? Mm. So it's like, we were starting at the very, very bottom and it has been a long, long road. You know, we've been through a lot as a band. So yeah. And you're, you're it wasn't a, easy and it's still not. No. And you're a band that I think if you look over the career and per album that's gone on, there's definitely been a slow burn. There's been a momentum that's gradually built. Um, 
when you re-recorded with your vocals, Rare Form, that's when you guys popped into my spectrum. Um, I remember that coming out because I had people around me going, oh my God, you have to check out this album. Um, and then, you know, you're obviously working hard at it and then you deliver an album in Dreams um, in 2010. This is kind of like when the genre of like progressive metal started to really burst on the scene. Was this a big moment for you guys? Because it looked from the outset that this album kind of started to push you forward more. It seemed like more people knew your name. The label looked like they pushed you more. Um, was that a big album for you guys or was it still a little bit down the track before you really got the push? I feel like it was it was down the track before we got that push because um, I know they were, you know, it was my first album like feature you know being the vocalist in the band and when i look back at the way we went about writing and recording the album and the way we do things now it's like man it's like i wish we would have done we shouldn't have done that we should have Mm -hmm. done it all together you know there's some things that i wish we could have done better and it's like you never hindsight is always 2020 so it's like you never know when you're in the moment but like you know we don't like we were very experimental on that record. And I think for us to do that um, with me being in the, in the the first time, like showcasing what I could do, I don't know if it was the right move. I don't, but I guess it, it had to have been because it's kind of brought us to where we are now. Mm. But what, were you getting, you know, I, I, I don't. Yeah. Go. Go ahead. No, you go. No, I, yeah, whatever you <laughs> I, I, well, I was I was actually th- finished my thought, so. Um it was kind of you, you guys I know there was a lot of experimenting on it, you know, you started to incorporate you know, I hate the phrase clean vocals, but you know, it cleaner clean vocals were started to be incorporated. Um it looked like tours started to get a bit bigger. Um but were you still having to kind of win over crowds when you played despite, you know, having another oh, album yeah. under the belt. Yeah, yeah, it was a struggle, man. And it's uh it was hard, you know, and it's like I just think that I really think everything changed for us when Dig Deep came out. And um and it was you know, it was like such a such a difficult album to write. Uh, there was so much going on. I was, I'm sure you know, like mm. everybody knows, but there was a lot going on with us as a band, and and that was like our do or die album. And uh, and I think we just kind of just said, screw it, man. Let's just play what we want, write what we want, and whatever happens, happens. And I think because we had that attitude going into it, I think that's why it worked so well. Is because we just were just ourselves instead of trying to be something else like we maybe were trying on in dreams like i i don't you know i can say for myself that i was definitely trying something different on in dreams and you know that's not that's not who we are i i think i mean it's part of who we were but not who we are now and i think now more than ever we have our sound and like we have our identity you know yeah so i mean so so it sounds like what you're saying was until in uh until dig deep came out in 2016 you guys were kind of um trying to 
you know, show your spot in the scene and start instead of just saying this is us, you were trying to like maintain what was going on. Um, and that can be taken in a positive or negative way. But um, you felt like dig deep. It was because of everything that had gone on. It was a sense of let's just fucking do this and let's just get it all out and let's make an album that we want. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, exactly, man. That's exactly how it went. You know, and it's just when when Dig Deep happened, we were just like, you know, I remember I I flew into New Jersey, and uh, I I Dan picks me up, and we're driving every you know over to the studio, and we're just talking. Everything's normal. I had no idea what was going on, and uh, he goes as we're getting close to the studio, and we're about to pull up to it. He goes. I need to talk to you. And I was like, okay. And then I was like, is he, are they about to kick me out of the band? Cause this is a really shitty way to kick me out of the band. Like fly mm-hmm. me all the way out here to the studio and do it. And, uh, you know, he had said, there's something going on with Justin. He went home. We don't know what it is. Um, so, and we were in a bad spot as a band, you know, we weren't doing well. We were, we were getting paid. We had just gotten a tour offer that was like, so bad and like embarrassing for us but we had no no um no we had no like clout to say anything we had no weight to like you know to help you know uh help us in any way so yeah so we had to take it and uh and he's damn or dan being in the and trent was sitting on the curb looking up at us like just i could see the look on his face was just like you know he was just like um just super bummed out like just defeated this like defeated look on his face and concerned and i was like what the hell and i was you know and he's like so he's like i totally dan you know we're talking he goes so i totally understand what's uh anything any way you choose right now he's like but it's just gonna be me you and trent um do you still want to write the record and i said we're all three here right and he said yeah and i said let's do it and he's like oh he like he like almost started like crying he's like i'm so glad you answered that way he's like okay and like so we trent and and dan wrote the record and uh that's how it happened you know we just kind of were just like let's just do it and get it done you know the that album is you know um it's so punchy um it's so much grittier so much harder not to say the other stuff wasn't hard or punchy and gritty, but it's just a level of intensity that was delivered on that album. Um, and a lot of it probably had to do with, like you said, you know, suddenly there's three of you and, you know, it's that kind of backs against the walls. We're just going to have to fight our way out of this mentality. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, just that's that's the way we kind of felt. It's like we, it was like, well, this is all or nothing because if this album fails, we're done. So, um, you know, we, we didn't, that's, that's just kind of the attitude we had going into that record. And, and, uh, it, I guess it just worked. We just wrote what we wanted to, to, I didn't think about putting parts in the songs that, um, that I thought people would like, or like, Oh, I want to have this concept for this song or this idea. I, it was just what I thought sounded like would fit in that part and would go good with that part not you know i wasn't thinking about anything other than the song and the and the the way it sounded and i think that helped 
So obviously that Dig Deep obviously has put you guys on a different platform, has it? Like obviously it was received, you know, from a fan standpoint, it was just another, you know, favourite album from a favourite band. So you're just kind of, you know, loving everything that's going on. But from in the band perspective, obviously it's helped. Has it helped with tours? Has it helped with getting paid a bit better? Has it got better with, you know, merchandise sales? Has it really been that album that has thrown you guys forward is it yeah yeah 100 percent. you know like our tour offer has has gone up um the us being a like a headlining band now you know has changed um before we were always like a support band or like a three of five or you know or two of five or something band and now when that record came out it kind of pushed us forward and now we can actually we actually have bands that want to be on tour with us that want to be a part of our tours because our headlining tours do well. Like the bands that are even like, not only are we selling more merch, the bands that are on tour with us are selling. They're like, dude, this is the most merch numbers we've ever done. You know, like, and I'm like, really? And they're like, yeah, man. And I'm like, okay, good. Cause like we were one of those bands, like, that want to see the bands that were on the road with succeed. Like mm. there's always that little that you have like you know like you want to do well but like i don't want any of these bands to fail like i want them to do well i want to see them on the road and because it's, it's hard enough to be in a band so it's like when we're on the road and we're, we're on a headliner and, and the bands are coming up to us and like dude we're selling the most merch we ever have we're having a great tour like our these shows are great it, that i'm just like good because i want i want those bands to come away from those tours with us and be like dude after the burial is like a great band to tour with you know well, I mean, it sounds like you've got the mentality that I think a lot of bands need to have, and that is we are a community. And, you know, if one of us makes it, we can all make it. So we need to lift each other up as we're going along the way. You know, there is unfortunately always going to be a little bit of competition, but we don't need that to come into play. We can all do the same thing in the same environment. Let's support each other rather than try and fight each other. Right, right, exactly. Because it, it'll just benefit everybody, you know. It's like it just be, like if you the, a team is better than just you by yourself, you know. So, well, fuck yeah. I mean, it's it's also that thing of you, it's always been that way in metal. I think sometimes metal people forget that you know there's no need no need for elitism. We're all here for the same reason. So if we all get along, it's better for all of us and better better for metal as well. Um, right. Yeah, exactly. Now you've got, you know, you've had a single release. You've got this called the single release was behold the crown and the upcoming albums evergreen. Now, after how well things went with the reception and after that with dig deep, uh, was there, was there a sense of pressure and expectation going into the writing process for evergreen? Yeah. I mean, you don't want that to be there, but you can't help the way you feel. And it's like, yeah, of course there is, you know, it's like, um, it's kind of like you, you kind of, you, you raise the bar on yourself and it's like, you want to meet that, that those standards or those expectations. So yeah, there's definitely pressure there. It's definitely like a, a nervous feeling. It's like, you don't, you know, I, I just don't, it's just like, it's, you know, it's like, 
you put something out, it does this well, and then you put something out again and it doesn't, it's not going to feel good no matter who you are, you know, no, no matter way, yeah. the way you try to spin it, it's not going to feel good. And I understand that, you know, and it's like, because that could totally happen with this album. We don't know, but I do know that I didn't pull any, you know, like I didn't phone in anything on this record. Um, we tried some new things. We wrote a slow song, dude. You know, we've never yeah. done anything like that. So that was, that was crazy. Yeah. So, um, so it's, you know, we tried some new things. There's a, there's a, there's some new, newer sound stuff that we've done in the record. So it's like, you know, we're still, still trying new things. We're not just like playing it safe. So like, you know, there's, there's no clean singing. But there, there's, there's um, also pressure. There's also pressure with all that, that I think some people don't understand being in a band is the pressure of, you don't want to do a dig deep point two you know like a volume two just sound the same because then people will have a go at you maybe it won't be successful but then you want to evolve the album in another aspect but then there's that element of nerves of have we evolved it too much it's must be an absolute mind fuck that process (laughs) yeah dude yeah definitely it is yeah i think you're nailing it right on the head it's just like yeah there's that you don't want to like be too crazy. Like, but at the same time, it's like, we didn't, we weren't writing this. We didn't write evergreen thinking like, like, Hey, we're going to write a song that caters to these people or this, or do mm. does something like this. It's just like, Hey, here's this song. Do you like it? Yeah. I like that. Okay. Let's write lyrics to it. Let's finish the song. It, that's all it was. And it just so happens that Trent played this slower song. And uh, he's like, I don't know how you're going to feel about it, but, and when he first played it, look, it, to be honest, like some two of the guys in the band were like, uh, I don't know about that song. And I heard it and I was like, I like, I really like that song. And I was like, hold on, we play that part again. That crushes because it's heavy, but it's like a slower song. It's like we've never done anything like that. So it was fun to step outside of the box. And it wasn't like it wasn't like we wrote it because it was like, hey, let's try this because this might be what people like. It was like, Hey, let's try this. Cause this is cool and fun. You know? Well, so. I, I think that just that sound that's got me excited. You know, the fact that there is something like that and I kind of get what you mean about a bit slower. It doesn't, doesn't mean it's a ballad. It just means slower is in tempo and pace. It's a bit, you know, drawn back. Um, I'm, and after I heard behold the crown, that just went, yeah, sweet. Uh, I'm in for this. I'm done. I'm ready. Pre-ordered. Give me it. <laughs> give me it now. Um, it's going to be really exciting. Uh, I can't wait to hear it, and I know a lot of mates of mine can't wait. And it looks like this year is just going to be another busy year. I mean, you guys are like crazy tour. You're out with Killswitch and Parkway soon. You come to Australia with Make Them Suffer. Is 2019 just going to be go 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 go? Yeah, dude. When we head out to um, to where you are, to you know, to Australia, um, that is just the beginning. We are actually going to be popping into another country after that, and another one, and another one, and another one, and another one. We just keep hitting. We're doing uh, we're doing a couple. We're doing places we've never even played before, so it's okay. kind of cool. Um, it's actually really cool. And then we're doing like some some Europe stuff in the summer. And, um, so a lot of our stuff, 
our time stuff is overseas, which is which is going to be cool. And then we get back, we'll get back to the states probably at the end of summer, and, and we'll see what what bubbles up for us then. So I think I have like a three week gap in late July, and that's about <laughs> it. So <laughs> yeah, which is which is the realities of being in a band. I mean, um, part of being in a band is you have to tour. And um, part of that, which I don't think, you know, people that haven't been in bands understand is that it does put pressure on you and your life outside of music. You know, you got a wife, kid, animals. Um, how do you find a way to balance it all? Because it can't be easy for you. No, we, so we are very fortunate. My wife and I own a business um here um it's the e-commerce so we do everything all work from home um we have we have two employees that work for us so we got people that can kind of run the show temporarily we're gone um yeah we slow down a little bit when i leave because i do i have a certain job that is like a skilled job and uh so it kind of slows things down a little bit but she is able to um to take off and meet me on the road sometimes. Sometimes we'll come out for three or four days. So when I'm gone for a month, like say, for instance, on this Parkway uh, Kill Switch tour, we'll, uh, you know, about two weeks, three weeks into the tour, she'll probably come out for four days and, you know, come, come join the tour for three or four days and then go back home. So we try to split the time where we're only going to miss each other for two or three weeks. And then, and then we split it in half, and then it's two more weeks until I see her again. Um, unfortunately, when we're doing European or like overseas stuff, it gets a lot harder. So, but I think we're gonna try to do something where she like meets me in Japan or something like that. Which wow. it'll be a long flight for her, but you can kind of take advantage of it because then we can kind of travel together a little bit and see some new places. It sounds like it sounds like you've kind of learned along the way how to, you know, not only keep yourself happy with your outside life, but keep your family happy because it is important. You can't, you know, you can't neglect it. Um, and it sounds like you got the perfect mix, the perfect scenarios worked out. Yeah, and I think the next step is bringing her on the road because uh, she she's eleven and she's she's such a good kid and she's super easy. Um, everybody likes her. She's like not your typical young kid. Like she's like an adult, man. It's like talking to another adult. <laughs> and it's like, I think the next step is bringing her on the road. Cause I think it'd just be really cool for her to be like, you know, yeah, I went on tour when I was 11 years old, you know, or 12 years old. So like she got to experience living on a bus and sleeping in a bunk. And she, when she comes to the show, she climbs up in the bunks and she's playing around and stuff. And, Everybody in the band loves her, and she's sweet to everyone, and everyone's sweet back to her. So um, I think that's the next step. So that'd be a lot of fun to get both of them out on the road. And freeze wait her. to get a dog sitter. Freeze her at that age. You don't want her to grow up. Ours is 17, so keep keep them young. Like, don't don't let them grow up. Oh, Just keep them young. I know, man. She's small, too. She's like a short little, little, little girl. And uh, so, like... We'll go out to dinner and stuff, and they're like, she'll be like, yeah, can I have a, um, you know, can I have a water? And they're like, yeah, we'll go eat water, and they give her a water, but they put, like, a lid on it in, like, the little plastic kid cup, oh, and we so always cute. tease her about it. And she's like, 
ah, you know, because she does. <laughs> she's not going to spill her drink. She's she's ad- old enough. But we always make because she's so small. She just looks little, you know. Yeah, our current thing is that we never we never see the seventeen year old. Just never. Like see it for dinner. That's it. That that's it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it, it's a I different we, uh, different ball game. I know we've talked about that too. You know, because it's like, Ash, my wife Ashley, she's like, um, you know, she's like, well, you know, we were talking about her car, and she's like, well, Reese can have this car. Reese is our daughter. She's like, Reese can have this car, um, when she turns sixteen. I was like, absolutely not. She's like, why not? This is a good car. I'm like, this is a BMW with a turbo in it. I was like, there's <laughs> no way she's getting that for her first car. She's like, it's fine. She's like, I don't even drive this car fast. I was like, yeah, you don't, but you can if you want to. I was like, we're going to get her a Honda Civic, and that's it. You know, yes. I was like, yes. she's not getting a turbo. <laughs> well, I mean, but it, it's, yeah, as you know, parenthood is, um, it's challenging, but it's rewarding. It's, um, and then, yeah, it sound, uh, it's so great to hear that someone in a band has got everything, you know, it wouldn't be easy, but you sound like you've got your things balanced, and Having something mapped out for when music may or may not finish is also something that would be very important for you to have as well, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, because that's I think that's a, that's probably one of the biggest uh, like the scariest thing of being in a band. It's like, well, when this is over, now what? You know? So, um, so it's like, yeah, having that to fall back on is 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 nice, but. You know, also at the same time, like being in a band is a big part of my identity. So it's like, you know, it's like, who knows how I'm going to act towards that. I, I, I try to have like a, a very, um, you know, grounded uh, outlook on it when it does come to a close. Because I don't, you know, this isn't going to last forever. And I know that and I understand that. So, well, it's um, very much like, but a, luckily, it's very much like someone who plays sport, you know, they playing a sport won't last forever so at some point during your career you need to map things out in for when things might finish um and nobody thinks sometimes nobody realizes that you know being in a band unfortunately unless you're metallica um it's not going to be forever um and i think metallica are going to keep right. going until they're you know 194 so <laughs> right um yeah now, I've got a question about, you know, you, being in a band and you've been, you know, obviously around in the industry for a while. How do you see 2019 being a band? Do you see, um, you know, with streaming going on and you're getting basically nothing for your album da- streams and downloads, um, are you seeing power in the band's hand, as in, like, you can dictate how things happen, or is things kind of out of a band's control and they're more in the consumer's control? I think it's a double-edged sword. I think you, uh, bands, people are able to find new music a lot easier, which is great. I found some great bands recently, you know, that I'm just like, holy crap, this, this band's amazing. And, and part of it has been because of Spotify, because like I'll be playing something that I like and then something else pops up because I'm not paying attention. I'm like, what the hell is this? And I look. And I found a new band and I'm like, okay, I wonder what the rest of their songs sound like. And I'm just like, oh man, this is really, really cool. Um, but at the same time, we're getting, you know, we have 12 million streams on Sp- on Spotify, just on Lost in the Static. And it's like, we're getting paid how much for that? You know, it's mm-hmm. like album sales are declining. 
streaming is what's going up. But even when the streaming's going up, they don't want to pay you for your song. And um, so it's, 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 it's a double-edged sword, if I could say anything. I think it's really difficult. Like, you know, when you join a band and you get signed, you've made it, you know? Like, you're like, holy shit, I made it. We're signed. And then you go, wait, this isn't what I thought it was. This isn't, like, why am I struggling so much, you know? So there's this, um, for some bands, they're not. They're doing great, you know? And uh, some bands blow up and they get huge and, and it's different for them. But for the vast majority of of us like it's a struggle you know like just recently for us we've we're we're getting you know able to bring home some money from touring where we're like oh shit you know this is kind of this is kind of cool you know like and that's just recently and that's after 10 years of me being in the band you know yeah and i think i think also the thing is it's a weird thing nowadays that a lot of bands don't need to be signed to a label. It's a different thing now. You know, as you were saying, holy shit, I'm signed to a label. That was a big thing in the 90s and the early 2000s. And now a lot of bands are just going independent, um, doing crowdfunding, doing all of this kind of stuff. Um, it's a different landscape. A, a thing I wanted to ask also with that is it seems like nowadays, you know, album sales are going down. So are people still consuming albums is one part of the question um and the second one is it is it hard now to stay in people's minds consistently and what i mean by that is staying relevant you know do you need to drop a new t-shirt design every couple of weeks a new music video every couple of months because if if you don't they'll forget about you and they'll go listen to that folk power metal band from finland instead right yeah you make you make a very uh very valid point because it seems like the um the well i can't think the way things are being released now is starting to change it's like you know most bands like release their album on a friday and they put out the one song it's like we're doing it we're doing it right now as a band like we Mm. just put out we put out behold the crown we have another song we're about to release pretty soon here um so it's like we're, we're following the same um the same uh blueprint mm. as as far as releases go but because of streaming you're starting to see a different blueprint where bands are releasing a song and then releasing another song then releasing an album and then a couple months later they're releasing another new song and it's like okay well there's it's like almost like you have to keep uh giving them something to stay relevant and i wonder if that's the way I don't know if that blueprint is working. Uh, that that new one where you you release an album, then you re- you write another new song right after that and release that. I don't know if that's working, and uh, but I'm I'm definitely paying attention to it, you know. And I, I'm I'm pretty sure maybe the other, the record labels are doing the same thing. But at the same time, when you're in a band that's touring so much, it's very hard to do that to release an album so fast, like some of these rappers are doing or these like hip hop artists or synth wave, you know, like, um, you know, that they're doing, which I've been noticing a lot lately. It's like they, they're following that new blueprint. So I don't know if that's a sign of things to change or if it's just a, a fad or, or a phase. Well, hopefully it's a phase. Cause I think, I think part of the problem is that when people start, and I'm not saying this is for every band, but when people start churning out music as quick as that, you know, there's an album and then, two months later there's a new single and then you know like that i think it gets a bit worrying because 
as as you know, being in a band, part of the process is creating as good as music as you can, and that takes time. Um, if you rush it, the quality can tend to diminish. So then, yeah, that's great. Right. You've, that's great. You've released you know six song, six brand new songs this year, but are all six that good? Are they repeatable? Yeah. Did you settle while you were writing that song? Yeah. It's yeah. a it's a weird landscape, man, and you know it'd be interesting to see what what we'll say in a couple of years' time with how everything goes. But definitely something that needs to change mm-hmm. is how much bands like yourselves, you know, if you're making that many streams, you need to see something a bit more relevant in your bank account. Um, is the reality? Yeah, and it's not that you know we're trying to be greedy. It's just, man, we wrote a song and people are listening to it, so we should get something for it. And, and uh, you know, it's just, I, things have changed since Dig Deep came out, you know? So it's like, we were talking about it, like our drummer, Dan, who um, is basically like our man. We have a manager, but he's our accountant. He's, man, Dan is, a, is, a, is such a good guy. Hell of a band member. He does so much for the band. But, uh, you know, he's talking about our album, album sales and, and the way the streams are going. He's like, you know, things have changed since just since dig deep came out he's like everything's different he's like so you know you have to put that into consideration i was like yeah you know i never thought about it like that you're you're totally right you know so um he would make a hell of a band manager but i don't know (laughs) if he'd want to do that (laughs) now i kind of got two questions left and we'll wrap things up and one is lyrics do you find lyrics easy to do is it a challenge um you know is it something that you know, you can sit down and bang, you've got the song written, or is it something that's a slow process? It takes you a couple of weeks, a couple of months to do. Um, usually I can like kind of, so I just actually had to, to write about this for this next song that, uh, we're going to release here. Uh, it's the next song we're releasing coming up here. I, I don't know when we're releasing. I think I want to say very, very soon, maybe this week or next week. Ooh. Um, yeah, it's pretty soon here. Um, I had to talk about this, and when I write a song, um, I don't listen. I listen to music, but I don't listen to anything with any vocals in it. So it's a lot of instrumental stuff. Um, you know, like this band, "This Will Destroy You." They're, I think, they're out of Austin, Texas. I listen to them. Um, I listen to them quite a lot when I'm writing, and it's just a uh, two more, two more questions. Um, so when I'm writing, I kind of like listen to this music, and I clear my head. And it's kind of this, I don't know, it sounds cheesy, but there's kind of like this blank, empty space in my head. And then I start to see like, I, like whatever that music gives me a feeling of, I start to see like these little pictures mm-hmm. and like little, these like little movies play out. And that's what I start writing about. And sometimes that will, will like be the, like, it, it's kind of like the foundation of, uh, it, like it, like those little pictures I see start a feeling and they start, uh, um, they're just like the foundation of what I build the song off of. So, um, I do put a lot of effort into what I'm writing. I don't want to write word salad and stuff that just doesn't make any sense. You know, like I want, um, you to be like, Oh, this, this is what he's saying here. That's a really creative way of saying it. I want people to understand what I'm saying and I want them to, um, 
I want to, uh, that those lyrics to resonate with them and like mean something to them. Cause it's so important to me. You know, when I hear, uh, somebody that writes a great line, I'm like, damn, that's a good line. You know? And that like, that means so much to me. That's, I study that when I'm, every time I'm listening to a song, whether it's, whether it's hip hop, you know, rock, metal, synth wave or folk or acoustic, you know, like I'm, that's what I'm listening to. I want to know what you're, what you're saying and does it mean anything? Cause if it does and I, and it's a clever way of doing it, you, you have my attention. Oh, fuck. Yeah. And I, yeah, I just, yeah, for your own notice, um, you can tell you take the time. You can tell that your lyrics are not, as you said, word salad. Um, and it's really good because I like your lyrics because you can delve in and what I will get out of it, someone else will get something different. And I think that can be a bit of a rare thing nowadays that so many people can see a song in different ways. Um, and it's really powerful. Yeah. Um, now, what we do, we wrap things up. This is the last question. It's kind of a segment and it's really simple. It's fun. It's called Pick Your Poison. Now, what I do is I give you two options and you have to pick your favourite of the two. Okay. So imagine that this is your life decision going on here. You have to pick your favourite. The other one, you never get to see again. Okay, it's gone. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Pizza or burger? Oh, shit. Dude, you know, I... uh make my own bread at home Ooh! i'd make my i have my own sourdough starter that i've had since since december um so i got really good at making sourdough bread i love sourdough bread and then what i do is i'll do everything to make that sourdough bread i do i have my own starter i have i just salt water flour yeast and instead of turning that bread into a uh, bread like doing the final process I take that dough and we cut it up into four little bowls and I'm flatten those out and we make our own sourdough pizzas here at home. Ooh. And dude, they are so, like, I'm not just, I'm not like bragging on my own. Like if someone else were to make their own sourdough and do this, it's delicious. It's absolutely delicious. So I don't know if I could say goodbye to that. And dude, I love burgers. I mean, I'm an American. Like <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> We have such dude. There's a burger place here called Engine Number no. Nine here in St. Pete, in Florida, where I live, and that is like they have bomb burgers. They have they have hot wings there that are like the best hot wings I've ever had in my life. So if I had to pick one, oh, dude, we'll give that a pass. That is such a hard question. Well, well okay, I don't think that they're is... gonna. I don't think they're gonna get any easier for you if that one was hard. Um... No, okay. I'll, I'll I'll choose one though. I'll I'll play. Um, you know what, dude? I'm gonna go. I think I just. I think I could let go of the pizza. Ooh. Okay. Pizza's gone. Um, <laughs> chicken or beef? Chicken for. Yeah, I could let go of chicken easy. Uh, beer or whiskey? Well, I don't drink, so that's Wee. easy. Um, but if I had to choose. I would probably choose whiskey because I did like drinking beer when I did drink, and I still can smell a beer and appreciate it, and like my mouth will water sometimes. Hey, mad respect. You're the same as me. I don't drink anymore either. Um, cinema or on the couch? Cinema. Okay. Uh, beach or snow? 
Oh, man. Uh, snow, because, uh, oh, wait, you know what, dude? I've been doing this wrong. I, am, I, am I choosing the one I'm keeping or the one I want to get rid of? The one you want to keep. Okay, yeah. So I want to keep cinema. I want to keep the beach. Okay. Uh, skateboarding or rollerblading? Oh, dude, I, I was a skateboarder for sure. Even though Trent, our guitar player, always says I'm a, I've been a, I was a fruit booter growing up. <laughs> he always teases me and says I used to rollerblade and wear the street sweepers, the Jinkos. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I was a skater growing up, man. Uh, so yeah, I keep skateboarding for sure. PS4 or Xbox? Oh, I'm an Xbox guy all the way. Okay. But I've actually ascended to the master race, and I'm playing on the PC now. So. Hey. Um, cat or dog? Dogs. Yeah. I'm a dog guy. Yeah. Uh, Batman or Superman? Oh, uh, Batman. Superman's like, whoever made Superman, and this is how I think of, of someone that made Superman. It was like, uh, uh, there was like, there was a bunch of nerds around, right? So the nerd made Batman and like a nerd made, made, made Flash and you know what have you and then the guy with the nerd of the nerds was like oh yeah well my guy can do everything your guy could do plus infinity and he made <laughs> superman so so i'll let go of superman he can go by the wayside <laughs> best answer ever um <laughs> um james bond or jason bourne oh do you, you like know, do you like the new school like, or do you like the old school I don't have to give it to James Bond, dude, you know? Mm. Like, Bourne is cool, but, man, J James Bond is cooler. Terminator or Predator? Oh, dude, that's so hard. Oh. Terminator or Predator? I'd have to keep, uh... Shit. Arnold's in both of those. Um... Damn it. I'm going to have to. All right. Is it Predator Predator 1 versus Terminator 1? Yeah. Sort of thing? Yeah. All right. Let's go. I'll keep Predator. Yeah. Good choice. Um, all right. Last couple coming up. We've got South Park or Simpsons? South Park. Keep that. Oh, that was easy. Um, Slayer or yeah. Pantera? Slayer or who? Pantera. Pantera. Metallica or Megadeth? Uh, Metallica. Corn or Limp Bizkit? Uh, I'd have to go with corn. Uh, soccer or hockey? Oh, I'm keeping it. I love... Man, I, play, I still play soccer. I have a game tonight. Um, does this mean I can't watch it or I can't play it? Can't play it. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Could I watch hockey still, or is it hockey gone, too? You can uh, still watch it. If, so watch it's, like, it. completely out of my life. Oh, okay, so watch it? Yeah. All right, then I'll, I'll keep soccer, as long as I can still watch hockey. Okay. Harry Kane or Gareth Bale? Uh, Harry Kane. Yeah, King Kane. Um, last two, or last three, sorry. Do you want to watch a show in the mosh pit or up the back? 
uh dude i'm 35 so i'm gonna go uh in the back <laughs> yeah I, i'm 36 and as soon as i get near a mosh pit my knees start to ache that's weird <laughs> um would you prefer to tour for the rest of your life or record for the rest of your life tour that's the i hate recording and the last one would you prefer to own an album on cd vinyl or streamed uh i would rather own it on vinyl um dude anthony fucking legend man that so much fun man i know we went a bit over time didn't mean to but thank you so much man yeah dude thanks dude thanks for uh being persistent i uh that was fun dude no i i really enjoyed the, the conversation with you
So that was my chat with Anthony from After the Burial. At the end there, you also heard their tracks Behold the Crown and Exit Exist. Those two tracks are the first two singles the guys have released from their upcoming album Evergreen. Evergreen is available on April 19th, so you've got about two weeks that album's going to be released. And it is a little bit early, but I'm going to say already that it's an album of the year contender. I know I'm a bit biased, I know I'm a massive fan of After the Burial, but I'm going to say, guys, make sure you get into this album. Evergreen it is, comes out April 19th. Also, any of those albums we spoke about in that conversation... Get online, get down to your record store, get on eBay, get yourself into the discography of After the Burial. You will not be fucking disappointed. Thank you again, Anthony, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Can't wait to hang out and catch up when you tour Australia later in the year. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. And that's it, guys. That's the Mosh Zone episode 62 done, dusted, all wrapped up locked away for this week guys if you're a first time listener thank you for tuning in i hope you come back over future weeks on future episodes if you're a regular listener thank you as always for tuning in and hope you come back in future weeks this time of the show is when i remind you that we need your help to get out to more listeners so If you've got a few moments this week and you enjoyed this episode, share it on your social medias. Also, tell everyone you know about the Mosh Zone. Help us out. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. Also, at this time of the show, I need to remind you that if you want to find Mosh News and Mosh Reviews, we have it all on our website and social medias. Our website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, don't forget, you can also get in touch through our email address, which is themoshzone at gmail.com. Get in touch, guys. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. There's not much else to talk about. That is all of my rambling done. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great week. Stay safe. Open the pitch.